This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. I'm joined, as always, with Jim Sebastio. We're going to get right into topic in just a minute. <clears throat> Before we do that, I, I want to invite you to go to practicalshepherding.com and access any of our resources there. Reach out to us. We can be a help to you. Go to the sponsor pastor page if you want to help us financially with a gift. That would be very helpful to us as we continue in our ministry. Uh, also, you can leave a review, Jim, on, I don't know, what, iTunes and Spotify. We're kind of all yeah, over the place. Yeah, I don't those. know. I think so iTunes, if, I know. If, it's help, if this podcast has been helpful to you directly, then feel free to write us on social media. You can leave a review on any of those places. We occasionally check those just to see what, you know, obnoxious thing might have been shared about the podcast. <laughs> no, we don't have a lot nice. of that. No, very nice. We have we don't have a lot of that. We're, we're thankful for that. So not a lot of people picking fights with the Trench Talk podcast, you know what I mean? So, uh, But go at any of those places, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. And any suggestions on podcast topics, we are always open to receive those from you. But Jim, we want to tackle this topic today of, of pastoral backsliding. And I'm going to need you to define this for us to kind of shape the conversation because Let's be honest, that could that could mean a lot of things. Pastors deal with members who are backsliding in their faith. We kind of know what that means, but you know, what is it what does it mean for a pastor to backslide? Before you answer that though, let's let's biblically set this up first, and then sure. I'll let you define kind of what, what this topic's gonna be. Uh, Brian, uh, Proverbs 4 tells us that we are to guard our hearts above all that we guard, for out of it spring the issues of life. That's a, a matter of perpetual moral duty uh, for all believers, but it's something I think is especially important for us as pastors, uh, given the nature of our work and given the nature of the temptations that are going to come our way and given the nature of the particular spiritual warfare that belongs to us as, as men of God. Uh, we are told to uh, keep a close watch on ourselves and, and on our doctrine, uh, to watch our life carefully, as some translations have it. We're to watch over our hearts, watch our life, uh, to recognize that there is a close connection between our life and the integrity of our life and the moral quality of our life, our spiritual walk before God, and our ability to minister publicly and privately. You see that in the book of First Thessalonians, you know what manner of men you know we were. And so because there is a connection between the ability that we have to minister to people based upon, in part, our own integrity, not just the truth and the clarity with which we bring the truth, if the Spirit of God is going to bless what we do, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If we're to do that work, it's going to require us to be closely attached to the vine. It's going to require us to abide in Christ. But it's possible for a pastor who knows his Bible very well, who is exhorting other people to live well, who is calling other people into account, uh, can lose the fear of God, lose the joy of his salvation, uh, lose what Re Revelation 2 calls their first love, uh, even in the midst of orthodoxy and busyness. It doesn't mean that you are uh, compromised in regard to your theology that may come, but a compromised theology almost always begins with a compromised life. And the, the danger is that we can begin to, again, exhort people to experiences that we are not having. We are exhorting people to love a Lord that we have very little love for, to live in the fear of God, which is not in our current reality. 
and we have sought perhaps comfort and refuge uh, in in certain patterns of sin, uh, moral compromise, uh, perhaps the beginning of flirtation, uh, uh, internet uh, pornography, uh, whatever the case might be. Uh, But it can be something as simple as you've neglected the secret place, no longer meeting with the Lord, you're no longer feeding on the Word, uh, and yet you're able, because you have certain uh, skills, uh, to get up in the pulpit, and uh, people may not recognize it at first. You may be like, you know, Samson, when he began his compromise, could still, you know, get up there and fight and pull gates yep. off and, and all of the rest. And right. there came a time uh, when he thought, well, I'll still be able to do that. And after his hair was shorn, you know, he wasn't able to do it anymore. And he didn't know. The Bible says he didn't know that the Spirit had left him. Mm-hmm. And so th- this is this is what I'm getting at, Brian, is that, uh, I mean, the, the stories of this are legion. Uh, and, and sadly, many of the reasons men resign from ministry are forced to resign from ministry, not because they were faithful and unfaithful people took them down. It's not just because of the hardship. It's because they allowed compromise in their life. They did not attend to the little foxes that were spoiling the grapes, and, and now everything is, is wrong. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm getting at yeah. with this. This is what I'm thinking of. Two thoughts came to my mind as you were talking, too. I think the Acts 20 exhortation that that Paul does to to the Ephesian elders where he says pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock that that just we we think of the pastoral call as that pay careful attention to the flock Mm -hmm. but just as equally so is that part of our calling is to pay careful attention to ourselves and you referenced you know watch your life and doctrine I think is the best definition you know of that but I think that's why that's this is an important conversation for us to have to be able to to continue on. There's an incredible irony in the ministry where we can uh, we can serve and give ourselves in the service of Jesus without pursuing to know Jesus. Right. And that and it's very easy to do that. And like you said, there's there's a giftedness that every person has that they can rely on their gifts, not maybe the the spiritual blessing of the Lord, but as you as you articulated well, it eventually will run out. Another thought I had was uh, just thinking about how the the classic book, The Reformed Pastor by Richard Baxter, mm-hmm. opens with, I remember somebody gave that to me many years ago, and they're like, read this. This talks about the pastoral work kind of thing. I was like, okay. And I'm thinking I'm going to read like a Puritan on hospital visitation and you know widow care. Right. And he opens the book with, take heed to yourselves lest you preach a gospel that you have not received. Right. And he calls out the unbelieving pastors in his day yeah. that because being a pastor was a pretty good profession back in yeah. the 16th century. And and he's calling these guys out. They're, they're preaching a gospel they don't know. Right. They're warning people about going to hell, and they're going to go to hell. Like, like right. So it, there was this weightiness. I remember quickly realizing, okay, I don't think this is just about pastoral <laughs> visitation. You know? So... But those are the thoughts that that I've had with this. I think, you know, this is a really legitimate thing that happens quite often in the ministry. It, it now maybe the some big disqualifying act right. is what gets highlighted in a pastor's life when he has to resign. He's forced right. to resign or disqualified. You know, right? But to your point, Jim, a lot of times it starts long before that. Absolutely, into this backsliding process of 
a fall slowly moving away that you've that you've talked about. Yeah, I, I liken it. You know, you look at a house, maybe something said, "Man, that house just it was there one day, and then it fell fell down the next." Right. Well, what you didn't know is that there was rot that was going on for years or decades within, and then eventually it just collapsed under its own weight. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen suddenly. It, it happened dramatically, but it didn't happen suddenly. So we first have established, and this first thing we wanted to do is establish this category that this this exists. We talk about backsliding. Christians and backsliding members of our church, but right. there's a past. There's a form of pastoral backsliding, Absolutely. and the, right. the reason that terminology I think is helpful and even provocative is that it it's gradual, it's slow, it's a sliding. Well, that's the uh, Brian Revelation too. You have drifted. You have left your first love is a word that actually means you've drifted from your first love. Yep. You haven't jet skied away from it. You just didn't tie it to the dock, right. and, and as the tide came in or out, whatever, yep. you suddenly find yourself. In a position, and particular thing that's fascinating about that revelation too is they had to be told because it went on in the midst of a very orthodox, busy ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was yeah. a, a discerning, busy, orthodox life and a busy, orthodox church life that would have had much to boast in. Mm-hmm. But Jesus saw that they had were doing it uh, without love for Him. They yeah. had they had left it. They hadn't, it wasn't a decision. It wasn't like, I'm going to stop loving Jesus. It was the slow erosion of that love. Yeah. So let's go, let's go here with this. Let's go back and forth. You and I can each give one at a time. What are maybe some ways for a pastor to guard from backslide? Being aware of the Nate, that this is possible for any of us to do. And what, let's go back and forth on what, what's maybe some signs or, or something to guard yeah. from yeah, to be, avoid it. Yeah, well, let's talk about prevention and then maybe recovery. Yeah, okay. Prevention you know, first. So yeah. prevention first. I mean, the first thing, Brian, I think it's just keeping your own heart and soul before the Lord. And, and what that means is reading your Bible as a Christian man, not just as a preacher. Right. Uh, not viewing your Bible as a tool to create sermons or answers for counseling. But to recognize, you know, with the, with the prophet, thy, your word was found and I did eat it. You know, um, your word to me was as as gold. Uh, it, it was the honey of the honeycomb. You know, whatever the you know the language of sweetness, riches, um, that that time alone with the Lord, day by day, meditating on His word, communing with Him. Uh, seeking his help, seeking his blessing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Abide in me and I in you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the branch and the vine. I think, Brian, more than, I mean, for me, that's the beginning of it. This is where compromise starts, where coldness starts. This is where uh, so many other things. It begins with a, a loss of the fear of the Lord, a, a, a loss of a heart toward him. That's good. One I'll add is... Uh, to be aware of how much noise and busyness dominates your life. Mm. Because I believe that noise and busyness in ministry, just noise and busyness in general, but, but the, I would even say the noise and busyness of ministry uh, is, even, is even more deceptive. Mm. That noise and busyness is the best way to avoid the activity of your own soul. Yeah, And right. so I believe that prevention in backsliding is that you put yourself in regular places uh, on a re- weekly basis where you're not in the rat race. It's not, you don't have headphones in. You're not just constantly running all the time, mm. maybe doing good ministry, but you're just not running all the time. And you're, you're still, you're silent 
You're in solitude with the Lord and and pursuing Christ to, you know, you're in prayer, you're you're bearing you're laying yourself bare before the Lord and letting him search your heart in a way that you can grow in awareness of maybe what is yeah, there good. and what's going on. And so I, I think that's a big part of prevention, trying to put disciplines in our lives like that. Another part of prevention for you? Yeah, another part would be uh, the, the focusing relationally because okay. I think, and I'm going to focus on this particularly because uh, I think your, your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your kids is going to affect this. But I'm also thinking about your relationship with people in the church because I think, Brian, you know, one of the things that can lead to a hardness of heart, a backsliding, uh, a, a disposition of, of of bitterness, cynicism, whatever that can be a gateway then into backsliding, uh, is is when you lose your heart of love for the people uh, and you begin to view them as problems, problems to be solved rather than people to be loved and people to be served, uh, not dealing with the uh, the harsh word uh, rightly, allowing it to go down deep and, and, and become something bitter, like a bitter acidic mm. dripping in yeah. the stomach rather than uh, love thinks no evil, love keeps no record of wrong. Uh, that, that issue of love, I think, is very important in 1 Corinthians 13. I think even ministerially, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels but have not love, if I you know, give myself to be burned but have not love, those are largely, you know, we could say those are ministerial things. A loveless ministry is going to be a noisome ministry, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to be a ministry that leads not just love to Christ but love to others, and some even in, in, in Revelation 2 question whether the first love is love to others or love to Christ. I think yeah. you, 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 they, they're so entwined. But when we lose our love to others or become bitter as a result of our ministry hmm. and begin to feel entitled or, or that, well, why should I? I'm not going to read. I'm not going to pray. You know, because you don't want to face some of those things before the Lord because yeah. you're nurturing a hurt or bitter soul. Yeah, that's good. Uh, one I would add in prevention is to... Uh, I think an awareness, mentioned it earlier, but I want, I'm going to talk about a for a pastor to be aware that you could serve Jesus without knowing and pursuing Jesus. Right. And and the reason I say awareness is I, I think, you know, I'll compare this to seeing someone who like wrestles with the doctrine of election mm-hmm. and w- seeing a genuine angst in them, questioning, wondering, even fearful, am I one of the elect? Mm usually means that they are definitely one of the elect mm. because the simple fact <laughs> that they're concerned to want to be. Yeah. You know, yeah. that, that principle, I think, applies here. And in, in, to be aware as a pastor, you really can serve Jesus without knowing Jesus, without pursuing to just know him personally, intimately, honestly, transparently. And so I think part of prevention is always putting before you that you could be that guy. And that being the thing that makes us pursue to know Jesus, to walk with him, to, um, to pursue him in the ways that, that he calls each one of us to be able to do. And, and, and that's really also where the, the power in, in, of our ministry comes from is, is the spirit blessing the work we do because we're trying to walk with God, yeah. not just serve him. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, uh, I think, touches on some of what we're getting at here. We talk, so uh, Peter lays a foundation of God's grace 
the certainty of God's promises. And then he says, he begins to say in verse five, add to your faith, virtue to virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then he gets into brotherly kindness and love. Then he says, if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in your knowledge of the Lord, of the Lord Jesus yeah, Christ. That's good. And it's a striking thing to think that you can have a knowledge of Christ and be barren in your own soul. Yeah, that's good. You you can have you can have a degree, you can have a you can have a PhD in Christological studies and be barren and unfruitful and in your Jesus. knowledge. Yeah, you can know everything about Jesus. You can sniff out a heretic when they're 100 yards away, a Christological error, but it's not but it can be fueled with pride. Because you haven't been diligent to add to your faith uh, the brotherly kind, brotherly affections, and and love, and and self control, and and those kinds of things, the virtue uh, that he says that you're to, to add to, and even a diligence. And this is part of the recognition. I can remember going way back to my early years of training and and being told, and we use the term trench talk in regard to this, and you use the word trenches. That was in my early DNA in ministerial training, that this is the trenches uh, of, of daily life, and um, that there needs to be a degree of diligence in the cultivation and productivity of our soul. Uh, land uh, uncultivated grows, but it grows weeds and, mm-hmm. and thistles. It doesn't yeah. grow anything good. For something good to grow, there needs to be, and, and Peter uses the term, you need to be diligent to add these things. And and, and I think we, we know the difference between <laughs> trying and diligence. I mean, diligence, you know, did you look for it? Yeah, I look for it. Now, did you diligently look for it? Yeah. Uh, are you diligently pursuing uh, your the, the cultivation of your own soul to know the Lord better? Let he boast, boast in this, not that he has a degree, not that he's useful. Let him boast in this, that he knows and understands me yeah. uh, is what we're to do. So Let's shift to recovery now. Yeah. So... Uh, a pastor has experienced a backslide. I mean, maybe even listening to this, uh, yeah. and even it becomes a the spirit is using it as an awakening of wow. I think I'm more this in this place than I realized. Right, which is okay. There's God's grace in that, and part of the recovery yeah. is figuring out how to identify that and then get the help and to to, to turn right, to change the directions. I mean, it's the essence of what repentance is. So. Right. Let's talk about how, how do we how do you recover from this, Jim? So, and I guess we need to think of stages or, or versions of this, uh, where you have somebody who's just they've grown cold, you know, uh, they're not passionate. There's no joy. There's no love, that, and and somebody's just kind of going through the motions in that way. But then you also have pastoral backsliding that that leads to like. Somebody could be going down a dangerous road of right, sin right. that would disqualify and right. even destroy their ministry in some right, way. Absolutely. Right. So, knowing there's a scale to this, what kind of counsel do we want to give in regard to how do you begin the road to recovery when you identify you're in that place? Right. Like, well, I think you know it has to start with that identifying. I think it has to. There has to be some alarm of soul that recognizes that we are we're in we're not in a good place yep. and i've not been in a good place for a while so I'm, I'm not we're not just saying like hey remember last tuesday you neglected the word you know we're talking about it's been weeks right. or it's been months since yeah. you, the lord has really touched your heart you've been moved where you are you have felt the christ that you're preaching where you have felt the realities of eternity you know right. that, that any of those things have come upon you you've been dull and listless and again people may not recognize it at first 
but you you're recognizing it. Maybe your wife recognizes it. Are you all right? Are everything okay? You don't seem right. You seem off. Or uh, just people irritable. Who know you. Distant, yeah, right, right. Irritable. You're irritable. Yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. You know. I mean, I, I, some guys who are really backslidden are able to be incredibly deceitful. They have girlfriends. They're they're committing adultery. They're sure. they're doing all kinds yeah. of things, and they're able to cover it all up. So I think it has to start with the recognition, Lord, I'm I am in a bad place. And so what do you do? Well, you might need to have a, a Psalm 51 type moment. Yeah. Read through Psalm 51. Uh, you need to do what Jesus exhorts in Revelation chapter 2. That is, remember, repent, and do the first works. You need to get busy about, and so repentance includes, you know, it's the casting away of things that have become uh, a stumbling block to you, things that have prevented you from getting in the Word. Maybe, again, they're good things. You, you, you're getting into a study of, of you're, you're listening to podcasts, you're doing other things, but you're not spending time in the Word, you're, you know, and you need to say, look, I need to get back to where I was. I need to get back to the things that I was doing. Uh, I need to know those things that, for me, as a man, that light my fire, that that produce hope in me, whether it's it's reading, it's singing, uh, utilizing your hymnal, going back to worship songs, things that whatever it might be that you use that in the past really ministered to you, that really kind of lit your soul uh, on fire a bit and think about and to know what those things are. I think yeah. it has to start there. I'll add to that, that um, and you kind of alluded to it, I think in the midst of many of the things that you shared is you got to talk to somebody. Yeah. Um, to try to, a lot of times guys will even discover, hey, I'm, I've slid into a place I didn't realize I was, right. I was at. And, <clears throat> but we still, a lot of pastors have trouble asking for help. Yeah. You know, a lot of pastors have trouble wanting to go and talk to somebody. And, and I think that is an essential piece to a, a marking kind of this moment of realization to where, okay, I've slid to this place. I don't want to stay here. Right. I need some help. So yeah, we need we need to repent, pray to God, go to Him certainly first in these things. But we've got to bring other people into our lives to help. We got to have people who are safe to talk to. Right. Uh, uh, whether it's a counselor, you, obviously you bring your spouse into some degree on whatever's going on. But you want to have a, a safe pastor friend. That's why we need pastoral friendships so much. We need to be able to have somebody we can go to. Who's, we can talk honestly. We can talk to about this, and their first reaction is not to judge us, right? But to just receive us and want to be able to help us mm. find that person. And whether you've backslidden or not, or in that place, go ahead and f- make sure that person's in your life. That that's not the time to f- figure out if you even have that. You got to have that in your life. Mm. It's not got to be natural to be able to go and talk to that person. And honestly, believe, Jim, I believe other than the confession, repentance before the Lord. To be able to go to another human being and bring them into this, I think is crucial to be able to move forward in whatever repentance looks like, whatever recovery, restoration looks mm. like. I think somebody else has to be able to help us with that. Mm. So another aspect of recovery for you? Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Brian, because really what you're getting at there is is the courage to face you know, the potential consequences, because sometimes there are going to be consequences right. to our backsliding. Yeah. I think there are some backslidings that are recoverable, you know, I don't necessarily say relatively easily, but what I mean by that is you begin the road to recovery and you perhaps even stand before the congregation and you say for a number of weeks now, I have ministered 
uh, out of a cold heart and out of an indifferent heart. And uh, I have sought the Lord and he has shown this to me. And uh, I, I seek your forgiveness. I believe I gave you what was true, but it didn't come out of the, the matrix of a, a heart that was... When I prayed before a sermon, that was the first time I'd prayed in weeks, you know, whatever it might be. And, you know, you're able, to, perhaps in that case, you may not need to do that. And it may be evident. People's like, wow, what happened to you? You know, you're, 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 there's a bounce to you. There's a joy. And say, well, listen, I, I had gone through a time of significantly spiritually where I was dry as dust and, and, and God has met with me yep. and, and, I, and I'm doing better. Sometimes what it's going to mean is that, I, I have compromised myself, and I, you know, uh, maybe again, I've had, I'm not necessarily committing adultery, but I've begun to flirt online. I've begun to look at things. I've begun to communicate with a woman here or a woman there, and you're going to have to face the consequences of it. Yep. Uh, but that's why you, you, you but, have to first talk to somebody. Right, you need to, like right. the congregation, in my opinion, you may disagree with this, is not the first place I'll, to go I'll, with that. Yes, absolutely. Okay. That's, As that's I'm hearing you saying. say that, it's yeah, 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 people yeah. Yes, are correct, misunderstanding correct, that. Yeah. Yes. So. so I'm just saying is that some, sometimes it is we have to face what are the consequences of this. I've, I've gotten myself into a place I never wanted to be. The old line is, you know, sin will take you further than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you more than you wanted to pay, the old mm. preacher said. Yep. And so you're, you're, in a, you're in a place you didn't think you'd be. You have found yourself uh, in, a, in a dire situation. And you know, the blessing that can come, and this is, I wish I saw this more, are men coming to somebody, coming to a friend, and saying, "I'm sick and tired of this," rather than, "Hey, yeah. we found you out." Sure, and yeah. then I'm going to re- then I'm going to repent. Well, and, uh, and, you know, and, and I want to highlight too that there, when we're talking about like a coldness, a spiritual dryness, even in the soul, that uh, a lot of times that kind of that version of backsliding comes just in weariness and yeah. fatigue. Yeah. So I want to say sometimes. This is very salvageable, very recoverable Absolutely. in a simple way. A lot of times, and so when sometimes people reach out to us and talk about, we're the ones they reach out to to talk about this stuff. And the answer is, okay, you got two weeks of vacation, just use it now. Like right. just get, you know, leave two weeks, regroup, get some rest, try to get away from ministry, recover a bit. And see how much that just helps you maybe to be able to reset yeah. your own spiritual journey with the Lord Absolutely. to be able to engage with mission. It really can be that simple, but a lot of, and I want to emphasize that a lot of the, a lot of times the, the backsliding happens out of weariness and fatigue. So from a prevention standpoint and even a recovery standpoint, be aware of how much you're wore out, you're fatigued, you're struggling in that way, because it can definitely lead to uh, even further backsliding if you don't address the weariness that you're facing. So yeah. any Amen. final word, Jim, on this as we wrap? Yeah, I think mean, just, I, I think Psalm 139, uh, search me, O God, and know me, and try me, and see see what see what's in my heart. Um, again, I would not want to be used anyway to make some guy feel who's not backslidden because he's he's just struggling a bit to feel like, oh no, I'm in a terrible spot. That's not... That's not what I, you know, either of us want from this. But ask the Lord to search you. Bible says, examine yourselves. Uh, I mean, Paul says to the Corinthians, even test to see whether you're in the faith. Do you not know this about yourself that Christ is in you unless you fail the test? I think you ought to be able to have certain things that we be able to look at. These are the signs of spiritual strength and, and vigor and the ability to press on and just normal health. And how am I doing uh, on those things? What, where, how are my thoughts? What are my words like? How, what are my relationships like? 
what's my heart before the Lord right now? What's my heart before other people right now? Uh, you know, do I, is my life able to be an open book? You can take a look at my life. You can see what I do. You can follow me around. I don't have anything to hide. I think somebody like that, that's, that's in a good spiritual condition. Yeah. If you're not able to answer those questions, you need to be able to triage, understand what's going on, bring other people in, as you said, Brian, uh, and ask the Lord to search you, to know you, and, and be yeah. able to deal with however it is you need to work from, from that position. That's good. My final word on this is something that I learned in my own recovery from, I would say, my own just kind of personal backsliding implosion personally a little over a decade ago. And that's part of my recovery. And this is still part of pretty much almost a daily part of just my devotional life and prayer life uh, And when I get up in the morning, is to ask the question, um, is, is Jesus enough for me today? Mm. If, if, if everything gets taken away mm. and that's all I had, mm. is that all I need? Mm. And if I can say yes to that, mm. then that usually is a good checkpoint for my mm. soul that my ministry's in the right place, yeah. my priorities are in the right place. And so when I ask that question, I, I'm starting my day with, is walking with Jesus and knowing him enough for me? Mm. And all these other things are just eg- extras. They're, it's gravy. Yeah. Ministry's gravy to yeah. that. And I find it to be a helpful just question to always search my heart about. So have some kind of way, I think, on a daily basis to just stop in the stillness and silence mm-hmm. of a moment and say, you know, God, are you all I need and are you enough for me? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, find, I have found it to be a very helpful way to, mm-hmm. to engage and be mindful of a sliding of any kind. Will you take a minute, Jim, and pray for those who may be struggling in this yeah. way? Our Father in heaven, we we do pray, you who know us, and you know us better than we know ourselves. And Father, there may be some listening here that are in a position and, uh, and they're alarmed and uh, nobody else knows. Father, pray you'd give them the help and wisdom and courage to, to face where they are, to know where they are, and then know where they need to go. Our Father, we thank you for the sufficiency of your grace. We thank you for the fountain open for sin and uncleanness. We thank you that you desire uh, the wayward to return home. You desire those who are far off to, to come near. And you have made a way possible through your Son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.